For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome everybody to the Pick 6 Podcast. Uh, Sam McEwen along with Tom Chattel and Evan Bland. We are going to get right into it uh, and start with this. What are your breakfast menus for Boulder? Um, we have six new uh, kickoff times. We didn't know those before today. Now we do know those. And uh, hello, hello, hello everyone. Um, Evan, Tom, 10 a.m. kickoff, Colorado. What do you think? Yes, yeah, Sam, I think it's... Um, it's... It, it probably is not it, not going over well in Boulder. Um, I'm sure they wanted the for the the first Deion Sanders um, home game, uh, the prime kickoff um, on on TV to be, have everybody juiced up and ready to go. Yeah. Doesn't mean they won't be juiced up at 9 a.m. Maybe they won't go to bed. But um, <laughs> yeah, in that town, you never know. Um, but they certainly it's 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 just a proven fact. It's harder. To get up, we've seen this in Lake, and it's hard to get the crowd on, you know, at a, a peak form when it's 11 a.m., but it's still morning. And mm-hmm. um, so, uh, and yeah, Dion is going to have to have to get his team ready, and so, so will Matt Rule. Um, but I just think it, it does it play into uh, Nebraska's uh, favor? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, but the atmosphere. Um, probably going to be at least half red. That's what we think. You never know. Um, I, I think it, it, it might just do that. But, um, you know, I guess, you know, the, the, we've had this a couple times. And um, the last time I remember 11 a.m. out there was the day before Bill Callahan got fired because we all drove to the airport. We, we, we found our stories and we were able to get uh, on, on the, uh, the flight back to Omaha in time to cover the press conference the next day. And uh, as I recall, uh, Colorado won that game big. <laughs> so, 65 the, 51. They were, that was. Um, uh, In the snow. The, 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 the day played Joe Gans, for some reason, waited to play Joe Gans until the very end. And, uh, and Joe Gans had a, a good game, as I recall. But anyway, um, so 11 a.m., 10 a.m., does it favor either one? I don't know. It, it doesn't favor the. Uh, Colorado crowd. That's just my opinion. Joe Gans threw for 484 yards that day. Nebraska led 35-24 at half. A lot of people don't remember that part of it, but they did. And then Jimmy Smith had an interception return, and (laughs) there it went. And they lost 65-51. Iowa is is an 11 a.m. kick. It's on CBS. It'll be the first time that Nebraska's on CBS since the 2009 Gator Bowl, unless there's another game in there, but I don't know that there will be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I think it's important for that game to be on national TV a couple of different times. The Big Ten <laughs> Network has snagged it, and I think Nebraska was getting a, maybe a little tired of that. And so now they're going to have two national games on Black Friday, one in the morning, one at night, and an NFL game broadcast by someone, probably Amazon Prime, in the middle. 
The night game is Penn State at Michigan State. Oh, my God. And that's going to be cold. The day game is Nebraska-Iowa. And that's yeah. going to be cold. It will. Not as cold as uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. the Nittany's. Oh, man. That's brutal. Know. That's uh, that. That's going to be tough. Yeah. I felt like as much as the, the kickoff times, this was about, like, how do you keep all your streaming services and your networks straight? We're kind of in that, that weird middle ground before – uh, some of these contracts run out. You know, there's this weird overlap period. So you've got CBS, you've got Fox. You, you, you know, there's the speculation that maybe the the Peacock would pick up uh, Michigan at Nebraska uh, in the middle of the season. So like, you know, if you're not going to the game, like this is a good time to get all your passwords in order for your streaming services and your cable because my goodness, um, you know, they're going to be on, but like you might have to work to find where they're going to be on. And I, I thought that was what. You know, you talk about Colorado at 10 a.m. I think it's just, it's just a reminder that, like, that's what happens when you take the money. They dictate when the, the TV um, people dictate I, when I, kickoff I, is. I really sense a trend forming here, and I hope I'm wrong. Uh, for years and years, uh, the networks didn't care about Black Friday. Now, all of a sudden, we've got a night game and their Big Ten game at night. We've got uh, an NFL game. That's the first a Friday if Thanksgiving is one day for NFL, you have three games, right? Yeah. Now they want to have one on Friday. Um, yep. It's uh, are, 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 are we going to oversaturate Black Friday? And what will that do to uh, Nebraska's, uh, you know, well, if it's not special anymore, will Oscars want to have that game on that day? I think they probably will. But if there's going to be, there's going to, they're going to add more games. And there's going to be an NFL game. It's going to over- overshadow everything. I, I, I just wonder the, the future of that date. Yeah, me too. I think if you go, if you're the first game in the morning, which they will be, they'll probably be competing against Texas, Kansas, or something. But uh, you know, you're before the NFL game. I don't. I can't remember what the NFL game is that day. I, I can't I imagine. It's, it's I guess Dolphins Jets. Well, I think. And I, you know, if 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 the Jets are good, that's a that's a great game. Well, they're going to be good. And, you would think. And so is Miami if everybody's healthy. But I'm just saying, it's NFL people just watch NFL just because they it's do. on. I just watch the NFL. I, love I mean, it. Yeah. so it's weird. We'll see what the ratings are, the trends. People shop early, go watch NFL, and go shopping again. Um, do they? You know, Nebraska Iowa ratings will only be as good as now the the game itself, right? And are the, are the two teams any good? Are they worth watching? Does a game mean anything um, besides the the Corn Bowl? You know, but um, everybody will watch Penn State Michigan State. They'll, they'll all watch that, I and mean, that's why that's on at night. Um, but um, you know, Nebraska kind of has to get back up there again, and. Uh, you know, but but I, I just wonder. I really I I hope this isn't a thing where NFL. Oh, we love us so much. We're going to have two NFL games now. We'll have one at night, and we'll and we'll go Thursday. We'll go Friday. We'll go. You know, and it's just like ah. So yeah, the, the Thanksgiving Day and the day after Thanksgiving used to be Nebraska Oklahoma territory. Yep. Then Nebraska Colorado, then um, Nebraska Iowa, and that's um, pretty much it. Yeah. And now they've added, they, 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 they've they, larded up the day. But the, the NFL <laughs> thing, that's what really worries me. And also the, the, the second <clears throat> Big Ten game. So, um, But that's where we are. Realignment, college football. Traditions, uh, they go away all the time. Um, 
you know, it's it's uh, we're, we're living in a Steve Peterson world. Remember he said, oh, well, you know, things don't last forever. Yeah, I guess they didn't. So um, Nebraska's opening game is at 7 p.m. against uh, Minnesota on Fox. That's a pretty plum. That could have easily been FS1. It's not. Minnesota-Nebraska doesn't move my needle uh, if I were not a Nebraska beat reporter. But Minnesota-Nebraska on Fox Thursday night, that's a pretty good deal. Um, that's that's a lot of exposure for Nebraska in the first two weeks. Um, Brian Fisher, who I think works for CBS Sports, I can't remember who he works for, he had a tweet yesterday that this is the percentage of college football games on streaming, which is Peacock, Amazon, ESPN+, Plus, broadcast and cable through week three on in 2023. 25% of the SEC's games are going to be streamed. That's on ESPN+. Plus. Just 8% of the Big Ten's games will. 25% versus 8%. And guess who's going to be streamed a lot? The Big 12. The Big 12's number here is 39%. Hmm. And then 22% is on OTA, which is over-the-air broadcast. And 39% of the Big 12 is on cable. With the Big 10, it's 8, 32, and 60. The reason that cable number is high, and it's high for everybody, is because of BTN. BTN controls, well, frankly, all the inventory. The Pac-12 is 3% streaming, 23%. 23% broadcast and 74% cable, and most of that's the Pac-12 network, which unless I well, am I, I have Spectrum, I have the second sports pack tier, I got to go to the third and get the tennis channel and some other shit, and then I get the Pac-12 network. <laughs> so I don't go to the third tier. I'm at, like, the second tier. Um, I get the ACC network on the second tier. I don't get Pac-12. So, um, yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting information. 7 o'clock for Minnesota, then 6 p.m. for the Northern Illinois game. That's common. They want a night game in September for official visits. That's the one that Nebraska is going to get. So they should have a big official visit weekend during their home opener. And then your Louisiana Tech game will probably be 11. And then we don't know what Michigan's going to be. That's the the game at the end of the month. If I was going to be a betting man, I would bet that game ends up on NBC. Because what NBC has already shown is they want to have. So they pre-scheduled, I think, five teams on the NBC schedule. Those teams are Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and then that, you know, dog fart Maryland game that they have no choice but to put on TV because so many of their games that day are horrible. They don't have any choice. Uh, So those are the five teams that they've pre-scheduled. It's obvious that they want to have Michigan on as many times as they can. They'll never get the Michigan-Ohio State game, so they've got to find a way to get Michigan on their network. I'm sure that the league will try to be amenable to that. This is going to be tricky, guys, because you really have CBS, NBC, Fox, and then BTN. And you have to try to satiate all, and and then FS1 is just whatever. But but those four are all competing for inventory, and the BTN is going to get some good games because they control the inventory. So it's going to be a, a tricky dance to try to figure out how you're going to take care of NBC and how you're going to take care of CBS when they're going to be competing for each other that's at all a, times. That's a great problem to have for Nebraska. It is. Everybody it is. For Nebraska, it's it is a great, great problem. problem to have. Yes. Um, because I, I, certainly, I certainly did not see it coming. Um, others, others smarter than I did. But 
getting out of ESPN was a hell of a move by uh, Why is that? the Big Ten. Because ESPN's uh, financially strapped. Mm-hmm. They're cutting. They're going to put more games on ESPN+. Plus. That's where that's going. Um, and now, they'll have their announcers now, like in a studio in Bristol. They'll take care of the SEC, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're going to take care of the Big 12. Uh, enough for Cincinnati versus uh, <laughs> KU or <laughs> Iowa State or whatever. You know, I, I'm sorry, my Iowa no. State buddy out there who thinks I criticize I'm sorry. Um, whoever, uh, UConn. UConn is coming into the Big 12. <laughs> Good God, why? I don't know. But, um, or maybe, I hope they don't. But, I'm just saying. Iowa State at Cincinnati. The Big 12. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's becoming a group of five league. It is. Because they've added a group of five. They're gonna, now they're going to bring Colorado in. And <laughs> you Colorado <laughs> at Cincinnati. I mean, <laughs> anyway, the BYU will be fun for those people. And, 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 until, right. they, until they actually play them and they right. find out what they're all about. Um, <laughs> but Iowa State at BYU, live uh, from Provo. <laughs> Yeah, on ESPN Plus. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> but the Big Ten, you got three major networks. It's a hell. Of, Big Ten network right in there too. You're, you're going to be somewhere good every week. Right. And, but getting ready, ESPN. Who knew? I wonder about stuff like ESPN Game Day. What's that going to turn into? You know. That's a great the, question. The, the one guy left. Uh, the the bear. The Your boy. Game, yeah, uh, yeah. He's going to Fox, Fox, right? Fox. Yeah. Well, he he got out before. You know. All the, all of these layoffs and stuff. So it's it's a, it's a weird situation in the ESPN. Uh, the future is murky, and uh, the Big Ten is, is, is in great shape. Uh, so kudos to Kevin Warren. I don't know what kind of contract mess you left, but the bottom line was you set him up pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. If I had to, like, Nebraska, you make a great point about this being good for Nebraska. One network, Nebraska's going to end up on one of those networks more than it ends up on another. I, I, if, if I had to play a hunch, it'll be CBS over NBC. Fine. I don't think NBC has what you would call seasoned people in those roles. I think they've put all of their energy toward I, the NFL. And, and so I don't think they're going to respect Nebraska's historic Sam, whatever. I watch the NBC-Notre Dame connection. Watch that. They might Michigan-Notre Dame has a history. They might, start, they might latch on to somebody's Big Ten teams that are going to play – they want to play – have them play Notre Dame. Right. That could be a thing in the future where that's how Notre Dame joins the Big Ten or if it's a transition, they join the Big Ten network. They already belong to it because they're NBC also. So there, there's a way, I think, for the the, 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 the new Big Ten commissioner, the, the TV commissioner, the MLB, hopefully he'll do, he'll do baseball um, – there's a way for him to get Notre Dame in that way. So I'm just throwing that out there. That's good point. Um, but if you're talking about what who NBC would want, maybe they would want teams that will play Notre Dame eventually or have already. Uh, so anyway. Oh, that's a good point. Let's move to recruiting. Um, well, let's let's re- remind people. So the the night game at Illinois, Friday night, I think that's a, that's a 7, 7 p.m. T- uh, tip kick on FS1, and then they've got a Purdue game at home. Which I think is their homecoming game, and that's either and the times are notable there. I think it's like twelve, three thirty, or four, and those are Eastern times or something like that. Basically, those times are one of these games is going to be streamed on Peacock, and it could be that one, or it could be a CBS mid afternoon game. I think it was twelve, two thirty, or three. Two thirty is CBS, 
3 p.m. is going to be, you know, like a, potentially a Peacock streaming. Or you'll have the noon game, which will be like BTN or something like that. So somewhere this season, they're going to get a game streamed. It's going to be on Peacock. So if you like The Office, you already have Peacock. And you'll just get to watch a Nebraska football or Nebraska basketball game on top of it. Okay, let's move to recruiting. Um, they've got eight guys coming in this weekend. Um, one of those guys is local. That's Caleb Pyfram, the, uh, the Omaha Central offensive lineman. Um, good player. Uh, still developing as a player. Has Nebraska in his top group. Clearly, he's visited Nebraska already several times. He's now an official visitor. Uh, he will go to Minnesota and Illinois later this month. And he's still kicking the tires on Missouri, Penn State, and Iowa. So he's coming uh, this weekend. Uh, there's a story already up on our on our website about Caleb Pyfrom and what he likes about Nebraska. One interesting note from his interview with me is he said that, that Matt Rule and P.J. Fleck are similar. And guess what? They are. He's right. They are similar. People should not take that as a criticism of Matt Rule. I think there are differences between the two guys, and they are the differences that are encapsulated in the differences between a person who grew up where Matt Rule did and P.J. Fleck, who grew up kind of in the Midwest. Um, they're different people, but they work on some of the same stuff. I mean, they both, they both like branding. Maybe mm-hmm. nobody likes branding more than P.J. Fleck, but they both kind of like that branding stuff, you know. And so they're not that dissimilar. And it, I don't think it would break anybody's heart if Nebraska had a program that was winning at Minnesota's clip with maybe the, with maybe the personality dialed down just a little mm-hmm. from where P.J. Fleck has it. So that's, that's uh, one of the visitors. But here, here, here are the rest. Almost all defensive players. There's one, uh, there's one exception to that rule. But uh, Peyton Morgan, a safety out of Pflugerville, Texas. Mario Buford, the younger brother of Marquise Buford. Dante Carter, who comes from the same high school as Tommy Armstrong. One step. Carlon Jones, this is a big one, uh, from Bay City, Texas, same school as Bryce Turner. He's going to be important. Uh, they, they want him in the class. And he had a huge year last year, uh, kind of comically. Had 102 tackles, 13 sacks. Mm. William Speedy Nettles. Uh, who is from Dallas Christian School, Amari Sanders, really interesting pl- player from, from Gulliver Prep in Miami, um, and yeah, and Ja'Cory Barney, who is a speedy, undersized receiver, six foot 160 from Miami Palmetto. Evan, does any of that jump out at you? The Mario Buford one does. I mean, I remember, was it two summers ago now? He was at the Friday Night Lights camp, and mm-hmm. uh, all the current Huskers were celebrating him he had a big day there in front of a few thousand at memorial stadium like that's a guy that you you would think nebraska should get i mean he's he's a he's a four-star legitimately a national recruit uh and he's i mean he's been in nebraska many times you mentioned his connection with his brother marquise like to, to me that's a guy that you watch and and you look at his recruiting process i know for a while oregon was in on it i think michigan state maybe is is a factor too michigan state and penn state are going to get visits from him and michigan state's serious Okay. And Penn State's now come on a little bit. And you, Penn State produces good defensive backs. Like, I just think that's an interesting one to watch. One, because of the connection that he has to Nebraska. But then I think that's an early, just an early case study in what Evan Cooper can do as a secondary coach and bring in a guy who, who already has some interest. Can you close the deal on that? I mean, I think that's the one that stands out to me. I mean, you mentioned Pyfrom as the in-state guy. And then you have... You know, a big Texas flavor. A lot of 
you know, skill positions, a lot of speed. And, you know, June is such an interesting time, right? Because I think you put so much focus in the spring and getting guys in for these unofficial kind of tent pole weekends. And then mm-hmm. everyone looks ahead to the fall for those in-season officials. But, like, this is the month where, uh, to your point earlier, like, if you have a good official in June, you can get you can get commits out of that right away. You can get guys to cancel officials right. later in the month and say, I want to be here. That's exactly Especially yes. on the front end of June when you have so many visits lined up. If you can make a good impression, it's, it's just a, it's a sneaky big time in the recruiting calendar, I think, where it, that goes under the radar oftentimes. It's a good point. You know, I think the guy that might be the guy to, to look at there would be Ja'Cory Barney, uh, the receiver out of Miami. Here's why. I'll just, I'll just say this. The reason that I mention that is because if a kid from Miami comes up to Nebraska to visit, they're really interested. Mm-hmm. They're and what you know what they're interested in? Leaving Miami. Getting out of Florida. Yeah. Leaving Miami. Sure. <laughs> because if you want to go to Miami, then you either go to Miami or you go over to South Florida or you go to Central Florida or you go over to Florida Atlantic, if you want to stay in the area, there's a lot of schools you can go to, and you can get to the NFL from every one of them. And so you've got some receivers at FIU and FAU that are better than the guys in Nebraska got because they didn't want they didn't get an offer from Miami, and they didn't want to leave. They decided that they wanted to play their football in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's plenty of options in the state of Florida if that's where you want to be. If you decide that you're going to start visiting outs elsewhere and you're going to go out, there's a pretty darn good chance that you want to leave. Now, for people that have listened to this show over the years, we've talked about the schools that recruit Miami really heavily. I'll then reiterate that again. Indiana recruits Miami really heavily. Mm-hmm. Louisville recruits Miami heavily. Michigan kicks the tires in there. They're, they're more interested in national recruiting, but they'll do a little bit in Miami. Ohio State will go get an elite player from the area. Georgia Tech will recruit the area. Obviously, Miami will recruit the area. But there are generally schools, and you'll see the offer lists. You'll see Louisville. You'll see Indiana. Louisville's gotten its two best players in the last 20 years from Miami. That would be Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson. And so, like, they they recruit that area. Those schools are not necessarily high on Ja'Cory Barney's list. I think Nebraska's going to get that commit. Now, I don't know exactly when, but I think there's a good chance. You can. You, there's usually tells. You don't even have to necessarily have followed the kids recruiting and say, if this kid's visiting and he doesn't have Louisville and Indiana, and you know Pittsburgh recruits Miami because uh, the coach there likes players from the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just pay attention to the schools that are sort of on the kids' radar. So I like, I like Barney to, to Nebraska. As you look through the other list, look, Buford, what's interesting there is Michigan State's really serious about getting him. They've recruited him just as hard as Nebraska. And Penn State, which typically when Nebraska goes head-to-head with Penn State, when Penn State goes head-to-head with almost anybody but Ohio State and Michigan, Penn State wins. They're a good recruiting program. James Franklin does a really good job up there. So if Nebraska is able to beat Michigan State and Penn State for Mario Buford uh, for a defensive back, um, that's a feather in their cap. I don't know if they'll be able to do it. Peyton Morgan uh, is from is from is from down there. He's an interesting player, kind of a taller guy, leaner. Uh, and then Dante Carter, they might have a better chance with him at this point than Peyton Morgan, but I know Morgan is excited to come up here and look at it. Speedy Nettles, I don't know if he is a B-list guy or not, but he's up here. I think that Mario Buford and Amari Sanders, who's really interesting, um, are probably higher on the list, but I don't know that for sure. And it's possible that Speedy Nettles is up there. He's 
he's a very tall and lean sort of like uh, Taman Lynam. Mari Sanders is even more so like that. Now, if you look at his offer list, you're going to see Louisville. So Louisville is the other school yeah. that, that's really recruiting him hard. Sanders, to me, would be a nice get. I, you know, I don't know. Um, the other thing that's going to happen, and I was talking on the radio earlier today about this, is I think Nebraska is going to have a challenge in keeping this class where they seem to want it, which is in like the low twenties. And by the way, like a low twenties is a small class. Twenty-five is regular. Twenty-eight is large. So anything below twenty-two or so, and you're in you're in kind of the lower range. Well, if you're in the if you want to get in the twenty range, that's fine. But you may find that you've got 35 guys or 30 guys that you really like who also might come to your program. And if you only get to pick 20 of those, not easy. Hmm. That's a good point. I mean, they decided to take a big high school class right out of the chute. They did. And they whittled it down. We don't even really know exactly what their scholarship numbers are right now because they, they have. They down the scholarship class, though. Like the, the, the scholarship, the guys that they just took in this class, I guarantee you they're on scholarship. Yes. But what I'm saying is, like, we don't know what exactly their scholarship situation is overall because we don't know who's taking the retirement package, and you know they just haven't made that sort of thing public There's conversations yet. Conversations about in-kind, you know, payments with through NIL, and that's fine. I could see there being a couple guys who might be on that, but it's not that simple. And and no, it's not. And it's kind of a pain in the butt because if you have to pay for your college, and you don't do that through a loan, then you have to go pay for your college, like. A lot of these athletes on scholarship, it's just, you know, the numbers work out to where they it gets paid. You mm-hmm. don't have to put it through all the logistics. Like, if you get paid NIL money, right, you don't actually have to give that to the university. You can give it to whatever you want. <laughs> you can give it to a car. You can give it to whatever. Mm-hmm. You can take a loan in theory. So, like, there's a lot of different things that are a little bit different between a scholarship and NIL payments. Anyway, they took this really big class right out of the chute. Mm-hmm. In Mike's, what what I have seen in the past is when coaches do that, they better be real darn sure that the guys that they take out of the shoot want to stick around. And what we saw in the Scott Frost class, that didn't happen. That's true. I, yeah, I mean you're right. Like I, I we've talked about it on the show before. Like I, it seems to me like one of the inefficiencies or advantages maybe that that Nebraska can have under rule is retaining guys more. And I'll be curious how that plays out, but. You know, we've talked about branding. They're big culturally. They have their, you know, stuff all the time, all sorts of team events. You hear players that love the program. Like, I think there's a competitive advantage to doing the things that keep players in your program. Whether that happens with under Matt Rule at Nebraska, I don't know. That's a good point. But it seems like that's that's a priority. So, you know, it's hard. How do you manage a roster when you don't know? on a whim who's going to enter the portal like how do, how do you do that i think one way that you do that is was what they just did which is like being okay being confident in, enough in your evaluation process to say if we got to take some guys in in december or january based on their senior film and based on like how we have confidence in our own assessment capabilities then they'll do that so i mean we'll see how that plays out you can't probably live that way consistently but i think if you keep a few open spots like that's not the worst thing in the world either. No, it's not. I mean, I and it does mean that you sign kind of a smaller class and then you kind of decide 
between December and February, do we want to add a few more high school players? That's kind of what they did mm-hmm. in this cycle. They got uh, DeAndre Barnes late and a few other players. I think Sue Alefatu was was a was a later guy um, that committed later. Yeah, um, Jeremiah Charles and mm-hmm, Ismael Smith yeah. Flores, those kind of guys. Well, I like Jeremiah Charles. Yeah, yeah, I think he I think he could be one of the I think he could be one of the new guys that that jumps out right away. But that's the kind of guy that they got late, and I think that they feel like they could get late every year if they had to. It's a good point. That's a good way to put it because if okay, so if you sign a class in in late December, and then you all of your guys have to de- declare that they're going to transfer by what January tenth? Yeah, mid January. Yep, that's a good point. And they have enough connections and relationships that they can fill that on the back end with high upside project types. You know, hopefully you don't need those guys to to contribute right away. But I think that's if that's if your developmental program, that's an advantage that you have on the back end. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Mm. So because you're going to lose like ten guys a year, the transfer portal is going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. And then those are scholarships that free up for February. That's right. That's thinking. Mm. Well, that's Matt Rule's thinking. I'm I'm just I, that's talking. That's a good thinking. Like I yeah I, I get that. That makes more sense. Mm. You you sign maybe nineteen, but you keep four or five back. Yeah. I like that. I think they're going to get a couple of commits eventually out of this weekend. I do think Pyfram will land at Nebraska, if not Minnesota. I do think they're going to get Barney. Do you think, we've, we've talked about before about are you concerned, are you not concerned with where they are and from a recruiting perspective? Is this a big weekend to assuage any worries about where they are from a recruiting perspective? Or, or like at what point do you, do you start getting concerned with where they are or get excited about where they are? If, if by the end of June they haven't added some certain names, then I would think, you know, you're going into the fall. And basically, if you haven't added certain kids by the end of June slash early July, basically what those kids are saying is, we want to see it. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of having a, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot. Because if you go nine and three, well, then all of a sudden you got a bunch of guys that might be interested. You know, you never know. But if you go three and nine or four and eight, maybe some of these guys aren't as interested. So like Carter Nelson, Carter Nelson's going to visit at the end of the month. We'll talk about it later. But if Carter Nelson isn't sold on Nebraska by July 5th and he needs to see more, well, then you're just going into the season and you're trying to figure out what the heck you want to do. It's kind of the same with Caleb Pyfram. Now, Pyfram says he wants to take the thing out of ways, but you either know or you don't. I believe, anyway. In a recruiting thing, if, if you've taken your official visit and you're still not sure, what you're really doing is saying, I don't really know if these teams are for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I think by the end of June, early July, they're at eight commits now, or seven. I think eight. Um, I think they'll be at uh, 13 or 14. Because some of these guys are going to want to get in the boat. Because I think they're pretty good recruiters. Yeah. I think Barney will be in by then. I don't know about Pyfram, but I think he might be. I think this kid Jones, I think they're going to try to get that done. He's got three more visits after this, but he may shut it down quick. Uh, Mario Buford? Mm, Maybe. I think so, but you know. Carter Nelson. That gets you to 12 right there. Okay. And then who else are we talking about? I'm sure they'd love to get Isaiah McMorris, but the kids in Omaha are not easy. Devon Hall? I don't know. So we'll just we'll talk more about it as the weeks go on. But that's where we're at recruiting right now. Okay, baseball. Uh, Nebraska ended its season in the Big Ten tournament. Great stuff. Uh, you know your story uh, about the first loss to Maryland was just terrific. 
wild game. It was emotional. Uh, you know, Maryland's got some attitude to it. Uh, I like that actually about them. Um, but they fell short. They lost to the best team in the league twice in terrific games, and they didn't leave themselves any wiggle room going into the Big Ten tournament. So they had to beat that team, and they weren't able to do it. So their mm-hmm. season is over. Um, how would you recap it? And now already, there's been a lot of movement on the roster. You're right. Yeah, multiple transfer portal departures. I'm sure the additions will come in the in the weeks ahead. But uh, it, it's a weird year. It's 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 it split the difference from the last two years. The 21 season, when you make a regional and you're you're a win away from the supers, and everybody is thrilled with how it went. To 2022, when you don't even make the Big Ten tournament. And they, they hit the middle ground this year. They were uh, middle of the pack seed. They won a couple games, got people a little bit excited. They were, you know, a couple pitches away from potentially playing for the Big Ten title. And I told you guys last week, I thought they would win if their stars played like stars. And I think we saw, you know, Bryce Matthews was hurt. He said as much uh, after after this, the, the tournament ended. Um, you know, Max Anderson... Uh, hit well for average. If that uh, if that home run on their on their last at bat of the season goes a few more feet, they walk off Maryland and and who knows how the rest of that day and that tournament plays out. But it'll they have some interesting decisions to make. I'm going to write about this for this weekend. But you know, I asked Will Bolt afterwards. Uh, you know, because because he has said before he knows what it looks like. Will Bolt's seen. He's been on regional teams. He's been on teams that have made the College World Series. He often says he knows what it looks like, and I asked him how how close to what it should look like did this team look like, and he said five games in the regular season from from being in a situation where they have no wiggle room to being in a spot where they don't have to win the tournament to be able to make a regional. He said five games was the difference, and I, I went back and looked at some of that, and 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 he's right. Like if they had won five games and say they they had won that kooky tie against San Diego to start the year, they would have won thirty nine games. Uh, they still got unlucky with their non-conference season, but they would have been right there in the mix to, to what be What would their RPA large do, think, do you think? It's hard to say. I mean, they finished at 97 in the regular season. If you flip five, 50s maybe. It depends on which ones you flip. Well, let's say you flip the UNO and the Creighton and the... Yeah, I mean, that doesn't help you. It doesn't ding you, but it doesn't, doesn't that boost you. That hurts you when you lose those. Oh, it hurts you big time, yeah. Yeah, okay. And so, you know... I don't know, but but the point is like that's how thin the line is in college baseball, especially when you don't give yourself a lot of margin for error with your schedule. And the Big Ten, we all know how how the Big Ten is in terms of being weak on your schedule and all that. But it's I'll be interested to see how how they address what happened this year because the the line was not that big between what what season they just had and being an at large team. It really wasn't. Uh, you're gonna have to address pitching. You're losing your stars, certainly in the lineup. Uh, but it, to me, this was not a season where you blow it up afterwards. Um, but I'll be curious to see what they think, especially just in, in the wake of a season where they did feel like they could make a regional. Yeah, I don't know if you blow it up, but you, you, you certainly don't bring it all back either. You've you got to make some changes. Um, you mentioned Rob Childress in your first down and second guesses. Yeah. Uh, where is he? Um, I mean, it, it's if he's on the staff. I mean, what is he doing? I guess he's he's helping bring transfers in or or something. Um, the guy, and you know the, the Jeff Christie. I'm not saying he's the problem, but is he the, is he the uh, uh, solution? I don't, I don't, 
I don't see them as that either, necessarily. Um, they, they, what they're doing is not good enough, and so they've got to get better. Um, you know, Rob Childress, maybe he's not in the mood to do this anymore, but the, the guy was like Darth Vader when he was in Nebraska. He was like, he was like Quinn Eastwood walking out to the mound. Right. The, the pitcher was like, they, they, they were nervous. Well, my God, what's he going to do to me? I mean, he was, <laughs> it was like Quinn Eastwood walking out of the saloon into the main street. You know, <laughs> what's he going to do? Right. He was a badass. And, he's, and, and it, as a head coach, I think he maybe had to tone that down a little bit. But he was all about attitude and um, the culture, and he fit Van Horn perfectly. And the way they and Will Bolt right in there, uh, John Cole, all those guys. I, if you got him, use him. And I don't much saying he's the pitching coach, but maybe there's something else he could be doing. And I, because they don't, they're too up and down. They need to be. I thought after the season two years ago, I know that they they had a certain certain group of players. They had better, better pitching. Um, I thought the program would go like this, and it hasn't. It hasn't. They haven't really built on that uh, a year two years ago. I think in some ways they have. They, it's just a frustrating year because they won six out of eight uh, Big Ten series. They, they finished fourth. They were probably right there. I don't know if they're on, on the on the, uh, the the bubble. They got some bad breaks in our conference. But they just didn't do enough uh, in some of the games where you you have to win those games, and I don't know, Evan. I I just I see it as um, maybe they wrote. Did they rely too much on the home run? Did they? I, I always thought Will Bolt's teams would would scrap and claw for every little thing, every game, and uh, did they sometimes sit back and wait for the home run too much? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to these things. Yeah, I mean, they probably got a little, little swing heavy at times. I mean, if nobody expected they'd hit ninety-seven home runs in the, in mm-hmm. the season, nobody thought that uh, they went in thinking they were going to actually kind of zig when everyone else zagged. They thought they were going to be more versatile in their in their offense, but yeah. um, didn't know. didn't turn out that way. And I think that's kind of part of the reason why it's so disappointing too. Is there's this sense that that you wasted all American seasons from Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson. And, and, you know, you have that kind of production, you know, inarguably one of the top five middle infielders uh, combinations in the country, and you can't make it out of the Big Ten tournament. I think that adds to that disappointment. And, and on the pitching side, we've talked about this too, but, like, what's, what's hurt them is they just haven't had that guy, that ace that you just know is going to be out there. He's going to give you seven innings. They just haven't had it this year. I mean, Emmett Olsen's had his moments, and Jace Kaminsky's had his moments, and Will, yeah. Will Walsh has had his moments. But like none of those guys, you would say, yeah, with 100 percent confidence, they're going to go out and give us a quality start. Um, it's just, it saves it's, your depth. It saves your depth, sure. Even if that guy goes eight and five, and his ERA is not two three, but it's three five. The key is, can you trust a guy to go out there for seven innings on a Friday night and save the depth? And I think the question, what you're saying, is that they didn't have a guy that they always knew was going to go out there and do that. That's Whether true. he won or lost, sure, they didn't always know that they had a pitcher who was going to go out there and eat up innings and and have a as you said a quality start. Maybe you lose the game four to three because a guy gave up four runs, but damn, and he pitched seven innings and he threw ninety five pitches. And all that I, you're competitive, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, now he mentioned to you, and you're going to write this for Sunday. 
something about positional depth where they could save, they could rest guys. Yeah, just this idea that in the midweek you don't have to start all your guys all the time. I mean, you look at uh, the midweek I, I, is where they had their problems. Well, I, yeah, exactly, and because you need more depth all around. I think in that moment, my guess, and this is just me, is what he's alluding to is. Bryce Matthews, if they could have given him a, a midweek day off here or there and he didn't have to start every single game leading up until the, the final week of the regular season, maybe he would have been at full strength for right. the Big Ten tournament. I think that's kind of what you're, you're getting right. at is if you can just give him a Tuesday night off, put somebody in that you feel like can be replacement level or give you a spark, see what they can do. They didn't feel like they could do that. Bryce was out there every every game. Max didn't miss a game. Um and I think at the end you could kind of see it, you know. And Bryce said as much. He said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm hurt." I know. I know he's a big guy, but it's just one guy. The rest of the lineup in some of those games. I mean, I just looked at at at, at uh, Will Bolt just after some, and you were certainly closer to it than I was in those games. But just the, the body language was just just pulling his hair out, going, "What the hell are we doing? Why why aren't they responding?" I just don't figure like he had the. He knew what they were going to do in, in, in any given game. I mean, that one week, I think sometimes you, you can mismanage it a little bit on the schedule. One week they played UNO on a Tuesday. They played like South Dakota State the next night, and then they they, they lost that game. And then mm-hmm. they, I, I think Minnesota came in and they lost a Friday night game. I mean, of course that was probably the 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 the. The 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 bullpen was the problem there, but yeah, just saying it's it's a lot of games. Five games in a week is a lot. Maybe you don't have to play that all those non-conference games in the middle of the week. I don't know if you're trying to get money, trying to get experience, build depth, but I don't know, Evan. It's um. But we have all these excuses. They just weren't good enough, and they they weren't they they, they weren't the same all the time. And that's true. I expect Will Bolt's teams to be consistent, and he ha- hasn't found that the that type of team yet. And as a quick aside, you're, they're talking about RPI reform across college baseball. Yeah, yeah. One of the ideas that's being floated uh, by Kansas State's head coach is, what who's, if you who's coach Kansas State? Yeah, he got screwed. Yeah, they did. But, but they he, didn't he, just he, get screwed because of the RPI. They got screwed. They did. They should have made it. They were, Nebraska kept them out, didn't they? Well, they had the midweek uh, win over them. That's true. Yeah. But they have an idea. He has an idea that, that maybe is gaining a little traction that you knock off the, the bottom five RPI games on your schedule, which would, one, prevent teams from canceling games that could hit their RPIs late in the season. Right. But then, two, it's a nod to, to your Midwestern teams, especially – that you just don't have a lot of flexibility in who you play. In Nebraska, if you're trying to find a, a one-game midweek affair, I mean, you've got Creighton. You can go three hours to Kansas, Kansas State, and you go five to Missouri. Otherwise, you're talking South Dakota State, North Dakota State. You're just sort of you're in a tough spot where these games can't help you, and they can only hurt you. And so I think that that could be something maybe down the line I'm gonna that would help them as well. I'm going to say something insane, maybe. Why not just cut all the midweek games out? I, 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 I like that. I think that, well, I don't know if all of them, but there's just too many of them. Like it doesn't hurt you. Do they do it because they make money off of it? No. I mean, does Nebraska baseball make money on a Tuesday night when UNO comes into town? No. Northern Colorado, North Dakota State. Why play the games? 
because you're trying to get to the 54, 50, whatever it is, 55 game limit. Okay. But you're right. Like, and, and that was one of my favorite things about the 21 season, honestly. The weird league-only Big Ten season. They only played on the weekends. They did not yeah. play in the middle of the week. It sort of had a football rhythm to it where you had the week right. to to come you know, along. They played those scrimmages. Guys got better sort of behind the scenes. So you got to play 54 games. Well, there's a problem right there. Change that to 50 and I people will totally, start doing something different. Totally agree with that. I mean, I think I, I, baseball is a series sport. They have to do all these things. But college basketball, they play two games a week. Right. right. Why not? Why does baseball have to play four or five? They don't have to do I that. I don't know. I mean, I really don't. And then that way, if you just played the weekends, everybody would be healthy. You'd be rested. The weekends would be brawls. It'd be great. People get Omaha get mad at me, but they, they don't need to play UNO three times. They just don't need to do that. Did They, they played them three times, didn't they? They did. Yeah. That's, that's, and I'm not saying that's, I mean, but I mean, when you John Sanders, because I guess the number used to be higher. John Sanders would play Hastings and Peru State and UNK right. and Wayne State. And just a college baseball is that there's been that sport where we just be. They used to play sixty game. I mean, just it's it did, just yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, maybe if you didn't do that, you, you could you could have three weekends of NCAA tournament. Still have your conference that's baseball tournament that's so important yeah. that you know, nobody seems to go to uh, around the country except the SEC. And Nebraska and Nebraska and Iowa play. Um, a lot of those conference tournaments are, are, you know, nobody goes to them. But they have them. That's fine. Um, but cut back the regular season a little bit. You don't have to play. Start a week or two later. Why and, do you got to start in mid February? Right, and then but don't play so many games. But now somebody, it's not a revenue sport for a lot of the majority no. of. Our, Almost even nobody. SEC schools like you know Missouri's not making money on baseball, no. so. You don't need to play all those games. So, who's going to be the one to do that and, and say that? I don't know, but um, Sam is. I mean, maybe you can. Maybe that's how the RPI gets. Gets. Um, I mean, Kyle Peterson said, "Blow it up." Yeah, they got to do something. But but irrespective of that, UC Irvine got screwed by the RPI. Kansas State got screwed. There's no argument for for Oklahoma well, before Kansas State. Right. There that's isn't. Right. It doesn't exist. I, they I, just got screwed because they weren't the CWS finalist last year. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I can think of Oklahoma being in there. They lost, didn't they lose four times to Kansas State? That's Five. right. Yeah, That's, I, I, I really worry joke. about I really worry about the sport in a way that you know if the the Pac-12 is already uh, diminished if it goes away or whatever. I mean, West Coast baseball right now is is really down and down, down in the dumps. And they're, they're not. They're not coming to the World Series. They're not right. doing much in regionals. They're not doing much yeah. of anything. Stanford's so, the only team west of Texas hosting. Yeah, I mean, so everybody's well, worried about, about USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten baseball. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's I mean, a long I mean, there's a long issue with West Coast baseball that goes all the way up to the Oakland A's are leaving. <laughs> They're going to Las Vegas. Like, the only franchise on the West Coast that's really left, truly, is the Dodgers. I mean, the pods are, yeah, San Diego is competitive and they have a cool stadium right. and all the rest, but but I just think the kids in California don't play as much baseball. It's There's a trickle-down effect. I mean, there was probably a time when I was growing up uh, in the early 90s, this is just when you had start, started writing at the World Herald, Tom. You know, Pepperdine won a national title in 92 or 90. 92, 92. I yeah, mean, that, first year. that team was stacked, and they were beating stacked teams, and Pepperdine couldn't do well, that now. USC like, was still playing right, well. Right, right. Uh, 
fortune owned, owned everything. I mean, right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, all the kids stayed out there and played baseball. I mean, I remember yeah, going to like four Pepperdine games that that summer. That CWS. And, mm-hmm. You know what's? They were really good. You know, they're just those teams just aren't as good anymore. Yeah, you know what's big in California? High school football has never been bigger. It's getting bigger. Yeah, yeah. it's it's and, it's coming um, back after COVID. Yeah, yeah. it's it's going to be. But in any case, um, so I'm curious to see what 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 Coach Bolt does, it, man. People, uh, he's very popular, Husker. He's very popular with people. They want to get behind him. Oh, no question. Um, I'm curious to see what he, he he doesn't like this. He hates losing, and he hates not going to the regionals, and he hates losing all these midweek games. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just curious what he's going to do about it because um, he is growing as a head coach. Sometimes you got to make tough decisions, and again, I don't know if. Jeff Christie is the answer. You get rid of him, but you know they they need to be the best they can be on that staff and 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 get the most out of it. So I don't know. It's it's these are things that's why they pay him the big money, and he's got to make these, these kind of calls. Hmm. Yeah, I'm in agreement. All right. I like you guys' CWS stuff. We'll see what happens with that. We'll talk a little bit more about that, like maybe the week of, like who's going to win and who 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 will and who won't. Um, we'll see where we'll see where that goes. Okay, for Tom and Evan, I'm Sam. That is this week's Big Six podcast. Thanks, Husker fan. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.